Good morning. It's so nice to be with you today, even though it is in these rather strange virtual circumstances. Today's passages uh, that we're looking at complement each other so very much, and what amazing passages they are. These readings from Proverbs and John's Gospel made me think about God's presence in all things. Let me explain that. When I began my theological training, part of my training to be a vicar, I really struggled with connecting what I was learning at college with my faith. Learning church history was academic head knowledge, whereas my faith is head and heart. The two felt totally at odds. That was 18 months ago. A lot has happened in those 18 months. Though actually we could say that not a lot has happened too with the pandemic. But as I've travelled this journey of learning, it's become for me what has been described as faith seeking understanding. That is what we're all trying to do, isn't it? Trying to understand a little more each day about God and how to live as Christians. And these seemingly two separate parts of my journey, the learning at college and my everyday faith, began to cross over and interweave with each other. And these passages today are a good example of that. I've just handed in an essay on creation, and I look at these verses from Proverbs and read the most beautiful description of God creating the world. The words conjure up such an amazing picture. In the New Living Translation it says, Before the springs bubbled forth their waters, the first handfuls of soil, when he drew the horizon on the oceans and set the clouds above. It is such a celebration of God's creation. We cannot help but notice how these verses from Proverbs echo back to the creation story of Genesis 1, with God creating the oceans and skies, sun, moon and stars, and God saw that it was good. But we can also see these verses pointing forward to the passage from John 1. If we look at verses 22 and 23 from Proverbs 8, The Lord formed me from the beginning, before he created anything else. I was appointed in ages past, at the very first, before the earth began. We hear echoes of this in the opening words of John's Gospel. In the beginning, the word already existed. And as we continue through Proverbs 8, verse 30, I was the architect at his side reflects John's words, God created everything through him and nothing was created except through him. When I first read these passages in Genesis, Proverbs and John, I assumed they all spoke of the word, Christ the Son of God, part of the Trinity with God at the beginning. Taken out of context, this is an understandable conclusion to come to, but if we look again at the start of Proverbs 8, This passage speaks of wisdom. Listen as wisdom calls out. Hear as understanding raises her voice. Both chapters 8 and 9 speak of wisdom. Referred to as a woman, probably for poetic effect. Although Proverbs describes wisdom as present before creation, 
just as the word was. She's not a fourth divine person, but an attribute of God, part of God, and so also part of the Son and the Holy Spirit, present from before creation, at the very first, before the earth began. John's Gospel begins with the Word, who was with God and was God. The phrasing of these first verses, so familiar to us and quite a mouthful to read, a frequent Christmas reading, are also rather unusual. Why describe the Son of God, Jesus, as the Word? Why make it more confusing? We could maybe conclude that words for God are not just things to say, but are effective. They achieve something. I'm sure we've all experienced people who promise the world in words, but don't deliver. Be that someone in politics or a delivery company. But God's word was God at work in the world. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. But there is another level of meaning to John's choice of phrasing. He is using the Greek word logos, which means the ordering of the universe. In Greek philosophy, logos was the something behind all nature, all creation, that gave it purpose and meaning. So John was using this Greek word to describe Christ to his Greek and Roman listeners who had no knowledge of the Jewish creation stories of Genesis. He was using familiar language and concepts to explain Christ, the Son of God, to these people who had no prior knowledge of God, our Creator. 2,000-ish years ago, John found ways to express what he believed in terms and ways that the people around him would understand. How does that resonate with us today? Just like John, we recognise that society and culture are constantly changing. We need to be exploring new ways, new words, to tell God's story. That's never been more evident for us than in these days when life has changed so much due to the pandemic and the doors of the church building are closed. But we are learning what it means to be church exactly where we are. The words of verse 4 and 5 also feel so very relevant to these times. His life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. Light is a very powerful image. Everything is attracted to light, all creation. We see it in the plants on our windowsill as they grow towards the light. Or anyone who has left the light on and the window open on a summer evening, if you can remember those, will know exactly what I mean. A frequent occurrence in our house of teenagers as I shout, Who left the light on? The bugs of the world are in. But we're attracted to light too. I'm a real fan of fairy lights, so Advent is joy for me in more ways than one as the Christmas lights go up. And this Christmas, just gone, you may have noticed a difference. Many lights and Christmas trees went up earlier, some really early. 
People were trying to extinguish the darkness in their lives caused by lockdown. As we've gone on our evening walk after a day of work, we've noticed quite a few houses have left their outside lights still up. There's a street near me that we walk up most days where lots of the houses still have their lights out and it makes my heart smile. We still have fairy lights in our front window because these days do feel so dark. We need that light shining, knowing that the darkness cannot overcome it. I want my neighbours to see that. But of course, we're not talking about fairy lights in these verses. They're just a symbol of the true light, the life light that blazed out of the darkness. The darkness couldn't put it out. That's the message translation. At President Biden's inauguration just a few weeks ago, Amanda Gorman, America's first National Youth Poet Laureate, recited her poem called The Hill We Climb. It began. When day comes, we ask ourselves, where can we find light in this never-ending shade? And it finished with the line, for there is always light, if only we're brave enough to see it, if only we're brave enough to be it. And we are called to be that light, to shine Christ's light in the world around us. Shine has been a word laid on my heart for many years now. It's a word that has echoed through those years and here again. When I started preparing this, the verse of the day on my Bible app on my phone was Matthew 5.14. You are the light of the world, like a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. Think of it like a light bulb. Without a source, it cannot shine. It needs to be plugged into shine. And so do we. We need to be plugged into shine. We need the power of Christ through the Holy Spirit to shine. John 1.14 reminds us that the word became human and made his home amongst us. Or in the message translation, moved into the neighbourhood. My favourite verse. But it's us now who live in the neighbourhood. You are the light of the world. We are Christ's light. Christ's church exactly where we live, amongst those we live alongside. So we are called to shine his light into the darkness, knowing with confidence that the darkness shall not overcome it. Amen.